Homily for the 28th Sunday in Ordinary Time, October 13th, 2019, St. Mary's Church, Grand Forks. If I were to say Hansen's disease, how many of you would know what that is? I'm guessing very few people. But if I were to use its historical term of leprosy, I'd get a different reaction. Hansen's disease is a chronic bacterial disease that primarily affects the skin, peripheral nerves, and upper airway. During the time of Christ, leprosy was a devastating disease and was thought to be highly contagious. However, nowadays it's very treatable and when detected early enough is not disabling. In the U.S., there are only about 200 cases of leprosy reported each year and of those, only half are severe enough to require active medical treatment. Thanks to standard antibiotics, those with Hansen's disease, if anyone happens to contract it at all, do not need to be isolated from family and friends. The scene in today's Gospel reveals a very different opinion. People consigned to leper colonies lived a miserable, lonesome existence as they waited to die. Having been banished from their homes and jobs, lepers found no relief at the hands of doctors. Only God could provide a cure. Jesus came close enough to the leper colony in this village for ten of its residents to get his attention. Their plea was simple but direct. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Their use of the title Master has strong connotations. It is St. Luke's way of alluding to Jesus' power, but rarely in Luke's Gospel do others address Jesus as Master. In every other case besides what we heard today, the term comes from one of the Apostles. Notice how these ten sick men speak to the Lord so boldly, as though they were part of his inner circle. Jesus neither ignored them nor walked right up to them, but he did give the following instruction, Go show yourselves to the priests. At that moment they have a decision to make. Will they take the risk of leaving the colony and going into town? It's a risk because if they do so and remain ill, they could well be stoned to death for violating the law. When they set out, it's not only in obedience to Christ's command, but also in confidence that he would grant their request. I need to say one more thing about this act of showing themselves to the priests. Cleansing the men of their illness was only one part of the deal. They needed the personal stigma as lepers removed, lest everyone else continue to shun and persecute them. Only the religious authority could pronounce them well and give these men their lives back. Christ cared for them physically, spiritually, and socially. I like to imagine how the priest at the synagogue reacted that day. At first there must have been outrage and horror as he recognized them from afar. What are those guys doing here? And then a sense of wonder as he discovered that they were perfectly healthy. I imagine him asking them, What on earth happened? How did you beat this illness? When they tell him about Jesus, the priest has to decide for himself, Is this enough evidence for me also to believe in him? And if it's not, what else would it take to change my mind? The passage ends with one of the ten coming to his senses. He told himself, What Jesus did for me today was enormous. I have to find him and thank him. 
The Lord points out that while the other nine selfishly went on their merry way, a foreigner was the one to return and express his gratitude. We are told that Jesus was traveling in the border region of Samaria and Galilee. Samaritans were people of intermingled status, with one parent a Jew and the other a Gentile. Many of the people of Judea looked with disdain upon their northern neighbors. The Samaritans were like a clan out on the fringes, both literally and figuratively. Jesus' statement pokes fun at this unenlightened view. It didn't matter to God if this grateful healed man were from Samaria or Jerusalem or Timbuktu. After all, his faith had saved him. Conversely, if the other nine were completely dense, their Jewish pedigree did not change that. Naaman, the man healed of his leprosy in today's first reading, was also a foreigner. He made what would have been a hard journey from Syria. Rather than to ignore him in his desperation, God took pity on him. Through the prophet Elisha, God prescribed a remedy that removed the illness immediately. Elisha showed that God is not only the God of Israel. Everyone can turn to him for help, no matter who they are. Today, the Holy Spirit prompts us to ask ourselves, how can we be like these healed men, Naaman the Syrian and the Samaritan? Several different things come to my mind. First of all, we see how important it is to be thankful for what God gives us, rather than to act obnoxiously or in an entitled manner. Parents teach this to their young children all the time. When someone gives their son or daughter something, mom or dad will chime in with, What do you say? The child stopped in his or her tracks will say thank you before running off. Secondly, we need to treat sin as our present-day version of leprosy, the thing which we ask God to root out of our lives. The Samaritan's prayer, Jesus, Master, have pity on me, has to be the prayer that comes from our hearts as well. There's an old saying, perhaps you've heard it, that the church is more so a hospital for sinners than a hotel for saints. In that case, the reconciliation room is the clinic. I try to remind us all of this frequently. If we intend to be spiritually well and in a state of grace, the confessional is where every one of us, me included, has to go. Lastly, the plight of the ten lepers reminds us of the outcasts in our lives. How do we reach out to them? Do we ever communicate God's compassion to them? All kinds of examples fall into this category. Think of those who are homeless in our city, or those living with HIV and AIDS, or other kinds of illnesses. Who is reaching out to them? Think of recovering alcoholics, drug addicts, or sex addicts. Who is putting faith in them and helping them to straighten out their lives? I think of the example of several monthly Catholic devotional magazines like Give Us This Day and The Word Among Us, who donate many copies of their magazines to prisoners in the United States and Canada. This is one way that such apostolates place hope in those whom society considers outcasts. For the young people here with us, think of the kid in school that everyone treats unkindly because, for whatever reason, they decide that he or she is not cool. 
I still remember some of those times as though they were yesterday. And I remember how my own dad would react to this kind of attitude. Whenever I made the mistake of speaking about classmates or other kids in a way that put them down, he would get furious. Who did I think I was? I knew better than to treat someone that way. He was absolutely right. When it comes down to it, our faith in God will be our salvation, and not anything that only comes from within ourselves. We ought to draw near to Christ in the Eucharist, knowing that we are ill and that he has the healing we need. Amen.